Book Second, Chapter Twenty One of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Twenty One Ripples on Deep Water. After dinner was over, Reuben cried, Come, Zilla, I'm going out with Dapple, and I'll give thee a ride that'll settle thy dinner. Emily, thee hasn't petted Dapple to-day thee's very forgetful of one of thy best friends do you know said miss warren to me as we followed the boy reuben sent dapple's love to me every time he wrote it's just what dapple would have done himself if he could did you refuse to receive it no indeed why should i oh i'm not jealous only i can't help thinking that the horse had greater privileges than i she bit her lip and her color deepened but instead of answering she tripped away from me toward the barn dapple came prancing out and whinnied as soon as he saw her oh he knows thee as well as i do said reuben he thinks thee's a jolly good girl thee's kind of cut me out but i owe thee no grudge see how he'll come to thee now and sure enough the horse came and put his nose in her hand where he found a lump of sugar i won't give you fine words only dapple she said and the beautiful animal's spirited eyes grew mild and gentle as if he understood her perfectly heaven grant that she gives me more than words i muttered while reuben was harnessing dapple miss warren entered the barn saying i feel a little remorseful over my treatment of old plod and i think i will go and speak to him may i be present at the interview certainly either the old horse had grown duller and heavier than ever or else was offended by her long neglect for he paid her but little attention and kept his head down in his manger dapple would not treat you like that even if you hadn't a lump of sugar in your hand dapple is peculiar she remarked do you mean a little ill-balanced he was certainly very precipitate on one occasion yes but he had the grace to stop before he did any harm but suppose he couldn't stop did old plod give you any more advice mr morton you must curb your editorial habit of inquiring into everything am i a dragon i fear you more than all the dragons put together then you are a brave man to stay not at all to run away would be worse than death what an awful dilemma you are in it seems to me however the coolest veteran in the land could not have made a better dinner while in such peril i had scarcely eaten anything since yesterday morning moreover i was loyally bound to compliment mrs yocomb's efforts in the only way that would satisfy her that reminds me that i ought to go and help mrs yocomb clear away the vast debris of such a dinner miss warren i have only this afternoon and evening truly mr morton the pathos in your tones would move a post but will it move you that's the question that concerns me will you take a walk with me indeed i think i must go now if i would not be thought more insensible than a post wait till i put on more wraps and do you get your overcoat sir or you will take cold yes i'm awfully afraid i shall be chilled and the overcoat wouldn't help me nevertheless i'll do your bidding in this and in all respects what a lamb-like frame of mind she cried but her step up the piazza was light and quick she could not so play with me if she meant to be cruel for she has not a feline trait i murmured as i pulled on my ulster 
this genial day has been my ally and she has not the heart to embitter it so far from finding other interests she must have seen that time has intensified the one chief interest of my life oh it would be like death to be sent away again how beautiful she has become in her renewed health her great spiritual eyes make me more conscious of the woman angel within her than of a flesh-and-blood girl human she is indeed but never of the earth earthy even when i take her hand now again so plump and pretty i feel the exquisite thrill of her life within it's like touching a spirit were such a thing possible i crushed her hand this morning brute that i was it's been red all day well heaven speed me now what talking to yourself again mr morton asked miss warren suddenly appearing and looking anything but spirit-like with her rich color and substantial wraps it's a habit of lonely people i said the idea of a man being lonely among such crowds as you must meet i have yet to learn that a crowd makes company wouldn't you like to ask mr yocomb to go with us no i replied very brusquely i fear your lamb-like mood is passing away not at all moreover i'm a victim of remorse i hurt your hand this morning yes you did i've hurt you a great many times i'm alive thank you and have had a good dinner yes you are very much alive are you very amiable after dinner no that's a trait belonging to men alone i now understand your lamb-like mood but where are you going mr morton you are walking at random and have brought up against the barn oh i see wouldn't you like to visit old plod again no i thank you he has forgotten me by the way we are friends are we not and can be very confidential if you have any doubt you had better be prudent and reticent i wish i could find some sweet briar i'd give you the whole bush do you think i deserve a thorny experience you know what i think when was there an hour when you did not look through me as if i were glass but we are confidential friends are we not well for the sake of argument we may imagine ourselves such to be logical then i must tell of you something of which i have not yet spoken to any one i called on ada the evening i learned she was in town and i saw her enter an elegant coupe driven by a coachman in stunning livery a millionaire of your acquaintance accompanied her what she exclaimed her face becoming fairly radiant i nodded very significantly for shame mr morton what a gossip you are but her laugh rang out like a chime of silver bells at that moment mr yocomb appeared on the piazza and he applauded loudly good for thee emily he cried that sounds like old times come away quick i said and i strode rapidly around the barn do you expect me to keep up with you she asked stopping short and looking so piquant and tempting that i rejoined her instantly i'll go as slow as you please i'll do anything under heaven you bid me you treated mr yocomb very shabbily you won't make me go after him will you why mr morton what base ingratitude and after such a dinner too you know how ill-balanced i am i fear you are growing worse and worse i am indeed left to myself i should be the most unbalanced man in the world mr morton your mind is clearly unsettled i detected the truth the first day i saw you 
no my mind such as it is is made up irrevocably and forever i must tell you that i can't afford to keep a coop there is a beautiful sequence in your remarks then you ought not to keep one but why complain there are always omnibuses within call are you fond of riding in an omnibus what an irrelevant question suppose i followed your example and asked what you think of the copernican system you can't be ill-balanced if you try and your question is not in the least irrelevant the copernican system is true and illustrates my position exactly there is a heavenly body radiant with light and beauty that attracts me irresistibly the moment i came within her influence my orbit was fixed isn't your orbit a little eccentric she asked with averted face still your figure may be very apt another body of greater attraction would carry you off into space there is no such body in existence mr morton we were talking about omnibuses and you have not answered my question since we are such confidential friends i will tell you a profound secret i prefer street-cars to omnibuses and would much rather ride in one than in a carriage that i could not pay for well now that's sensible yes quite matter-of-fact where are you going mr morton wherever you wish even to columbus what run away from your work and duty where is your conscience where my heart is oh both are in columbus i should think it inconvenient to have them so far off i tried to look in her eyes but she turned them away i can prove that my conscience was in columbus i consulted you on every question i discussed in the paper nonsense you never wrote me a line i was enjoined not to in a way that made my blood run cold but i thought mrs vining's opinions might be influenced by a member of her family and i never wrote a line unmindful of that influence again her laugh rang out i should call the place where you wrote the circumlocution office well to keep up your way of doing things that member of the family read most critically all you wrote how could you tell my work from that of others oh i could tell every line from your hand as if spoken to me well fair critic never compliment a critic it makes them more severe i could do so much better if you were in new york what do you expect me to go into the newspaper business you are in it now you are guiding me you are the inspiration of my best work and you know it we had now reached a point where the lane wound through a hemlock grove my hope was glad and strong but i resolved at once to remove all shadow of fear and i shrank from further probation therefore i stopped decisively and said in a voice that faltered not a little emily our light words are but ripples that cover depths which in my case reach down through life and beyond it you are my fate i knew it the first day i met you i know it now with absolute conviction she turned a little away from me and trembled do you remember this i asked and i took from my pocket-book the withered york and lancaster rosebud she gave it a dark glance and her crimson face grew pale too well she replied in a low tone i threw it down and ground it under my heel then removing my hat i said i am at your mercy you are the stronger and your foot is on my neck 
she turned on me instantly and her face was aflame with her eager imperious demand to know the truth taking both my hands in a tense strong grasp she looked into my eyes as if she would read my very soul richard she said in a voice that was half entreaty half command in god's name tell me the truth the whole truth do you respect me at heart do you trust me can you trust me as mr yocomb trusts his wife i will make no comparisons i replied gently like the widow in the bible i give you all i have her tense grasp relaxed her searching eyes melted into love itself and i snatched her to my heart what were the millions i lost compared with this dowry she murmured i knew it i've known it all day ever since you crushed my hand oh richard your rude touch healed a sore heart emily i said with a low laugh that june day was the day of fate after all it was indeed i wish i could make you know how gladly i accept mine oh richard i nearly killed myself trying not to love you it was fate or something better then suppose we change the figure and say our match was made in heaven i will not attempt to describe that evening at the farmhouse we were made to feel that it was our own dear home a safe quiet haven ever open to us when we wished to escape from the turmoil of the world i thank god for our friends there and their unchanging truth i accompanied emily to columbus but i went after her again in the spring and for a time she made her home with mrs yocomb ada was married at mrs winfield's large city mansion for mr hearn had a host of relatives and friends whom he wished present the farmhouse would not have held a tithe of them and the banker was so proud of his fair country flower that he seemed to want the whole world to see her we were married on the anniversary of the day of our fate and in the old garden where i first met my eve my truth she has never tempted me to aught save good deeds and brave work the end end of book second chapter twenty one end of a day of fate by edward p rowe